from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Ah, uh, hell yes. Thank you very much, Mr. Rob Roop. It's me. It's Mike. It's Mike Davidson lives. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Uh, I'm not talking all that loud because I know you're pretty much hungover, but it's a holiday weekend and uh, it's part two of uh, the year in rock 2022 uh, sat down not too long ago with an old pal of mine old radio pal of mine steve raznanzi both of us big rock fans been out of the game both of us for a bit but uh, we're a little uh, perturbed by what we're seeing out there uh you know some of the things we're going to talk about here include uh, a, a certain band using laptops to make music another band going with vinyl some of the rock stars that we've lost over the past year, and man, it, it sucks, some of these names that we did lose, and uh, any thoughts we have about what could make the genre better. But uh, we, we kick it off uh, by an observation I had just a few months ago, proving that rock and popular sports just aren't going to mix anytime soon, if ever. Uh, you, are, you, you remember the kickoff to the NFL season, Rams. Uh, Bills in Los Angeles, defending oh, yeah. the champions, usually kick off the season. And it was a big deal that Ozzy Osbourne was going to be live at halftime. And we're like, oh, cool. You like, are they going to let us see the show? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were so gracious to show us the Jonas Brothers uh, in Dallas for Thanksgiving. Oh, God. At, at halftime, they show Ozzy on stage um, singing for like nine or ten seconds, and then they cut away to the talking pundits talking about the game. And I'm just thinking to myself, what? This is a special event. This is the first game of the NFL season. Why not just show the band? But two, this proves what I've been saying for like the last two years. No way in hell a rock band is ever going to sniff another halftime show for the Super Bowl. Ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not knocking Dr. Dre and their halftime show this past year. I mean, I'm not a big rap guy, but I watched it and I thought, okay, this, this was a great halftime show. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to go to them. And, and mostly, because it's not selling and there just aren't the young acts that are selling out arenas. A lot of times they will group four or five of these guys together and they hit all these, you know, radio show uh, concerts, uh, these rock on the range things, mm-hmm. um, you know, louder than life. They'll package them and, you know, they'll do some small venues, some small bars, but that's about it. You don't see like the, a lot of big arena rock shows anymore. And and like and that was the case in point. Ozzy got like ten seconds of national TV time, and I you know I saw the Jonas Brothers to Dallas, and it's like the cameras couldn't stay off them because you know they're a younger band. They're I know they're a pop band, but they're in a better place than a lot of rock bands right now. Yeah, no, I've always been a proponent of up until Taylor Hawkins passed, uh, unfortunately, that the Foo Fighters should be playing a halftime show or some type of football because i think that would bring everybody together but in the last after you know in the last not even a year or so i thought to myself and with the aussie thing that was very unfortunate but mm-hmm. also a lot of the think about it everybody that watches the halftime show half of the people that watch the halftime show the super bowl say or the big game whatever you want to call it um well this is it it's not like we're average you can say super bowl in the podcast in <laughs> the commercial this is not the official soup, uh, podcast of the Super Bowl, but we're not selling anything. So Right. Yeah. So the Super Bowl. Half the people that watch the Super Bowl are, 
are not even football fans. They're just there to see the commercial. And right. all those people are there to listen to whatever top 40 radio station exists in their city. So it's a social I, event. It's a social event, yeah. So, I mean, I still, I'm pro-rock. I'm pro-Foo Fighters. I mean, Taylor Hawkins is dead now. I don't know if they'll ever do it again. But I'm pro. I'm still pro-rock, uh, like Foo Fighters and Ozzy doing rock, halftime shows and uh, big Super Bowl shows and all that. But is the audience... Is most of the audience going to listen to that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Is that going to be a very viewed halftime show? Um, a couple of years ago, um, I'm a Lions fan. They're actually doing better this now, but I wish it would have happened at the beginning of the season. Right. Um, <laughs> but whatever. Um, better my team. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was hoping, God, that game was awful yesterday, but that's another de- story for another time. I DVR'd it. I saw the score at halftime. Oh, I'm going to watch it. Can I check on the score? No, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. That was terrible. But anyway, <laughs> going back going back to the Lions. Yeah. So a couple of years ago when they played on Thanksgiving, their halftime show, they had some rapper. I don't know what his name was. I don't listen to rap. I haven't listened to rap since the 90s. Um they had some rapper, he started out his performance just sitting there in the bleacher with the fans, did his five se- uh, 17-second rap line, and all of a sudden went to the other artist. And mm-hmm. right at the end of the show, like the crowd like storms the field like it's the biggest thing since the British invasion. And I'm thinking to myself, these people, are they, are they paid actors? Are they pay- is this even real? There's no way in hell... That they can be big fans of this whoever rapper whoever this rapper is, and even better, are they even real football fans? Because most football fans, like you and I or whatever, they're not listening to Shotgun Machine Gun Kelly, whatever whatever the hell his name is, or Taylor Swift on the Top 40 station. They're going to work. They're hardworking blue collar people, whatever, and listening to. Rock, classic rock, whatever, normal American music, and and a, what I'm trying to get at is the football, the people that put on these events, they're just they're not they're not really in the best interest of football in general. I don't think the audience or any of that they don't really hold the best interest. Yeah, no, I I get. I mean, I, I think a lot of the casual football fans, you know, they're more of a rock country. Well, you got, yeah. you got your hip hop, you got your hip hop fans, but. I always kind of envision like a lot of the old, like a lot of football fans being kind of uh, late 30s, early 40s. I don't have any demographics to uh, prove this, but, you know, they're setting their own music. You think, OK, they're your P1s, they're your primary audience. You you program to them. But, you know, again, kind of going at the Super Bowl being a social event, they're going to go with the younger kids and maybe hook the younger kids on whatever. But, I mean, even when I look at it, like. Maybe 10 years ago, Ozzy does this. Maybe 10 years ago, ACDC does this. I know they're getting older in years. Malcolm Young, unfortunately, passed on. Right. Foo Fighters, if they decide to continue on, could do it if they wanted to. They probably got a window about maybe five or 10 years. But again, they lost Taylor Hawkins this past year. Mm-hmm. This might piss some people off. But Nickelback, I've never hated Nickelback. I'm not a big fan of Nickelback, but they do have a large fan base. They, they do. do it. But... I don't know if there's anybody else outside of that that could do do a halftime show. I mean, you got some people like, well, I saw this one band at Pierre's, or I saw that. It's like, okay, if there's 
45 people there watching this one band, they're not going to freaking do a show in front of 100,000 people. And also, and ex- exactly, and also to your point on Nickelback, uh, it kind of uh, reverts to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Rock is Rock Dead or Alive. Any, I always – it pisses me off when I hear people make fun of Nickelback. Now, I'm not a Nickelback fan by any means. I don't right. like them. I don't hate them. But for Christ's sakes, they're, they're who, is help, who are helping to keep the genre somewhat alive. Right. And everybody making fun of Nickelback, what's their opinion on, say, Megan D. Stallion or Cardi B or Taylor Swift? What's your opinion on that? You have such a problem with Nickelback and Chad Kroger and all that, but what's your opinion on Justin Bieber? Yeah. They're all – the rock, the rock format. It's not dead, but it's not alive. It's on you life just, support. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, the, the yeah the Nickelback haters, man, they're going to have vomit in their mouth once Justin Bieber teams up with Zach Wild. Yeah. Um, oh God, that would be terrible. Um, <laughs> Check Wild. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I also think kind of the attitude of what a rock musician should be has changed too. Um, yeah. I, are you familiar with Falling in Reverse? Unfortunately, yeah, I'm familiar with them. Um, Yes, I know who they are. Um, yeah, not, not. I can't say I'm a big fan. <laughs> no, well, they were they were at one of these rock festivals that I was talking about uh, about a couple months ago, and they had to cancel their set because their laptops went missing. <laughs> yeah, they got stolen or they got shipped to the wrong city or whatever. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, how unrock that really is. Um, I could name a couple of examples. Seeing the White Stripes live eons ago and Jack White on stage just, you know, blazing away at the guitar. One of his strings rips off like one of his strings breaks mid set. He keeps going and he does not stop the set until after the song's done. Then he goes, gets another guitar. Uh It wasn't like, oh, the guitar's broke. Better go back to the hotel. And then (laughs) uh, uh, years back, I think this was just maybe a month or so before the pandemic. I don't know. Time kind of blurs together. But uh Candlebox was up here at the Clyde Theater in Fort Wayne, and uh, Kevin Martin had no voice. Like, he was hoarse. He sounded terrible, no fault of his own. He was just sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he started having this problem, I guess, back um, in Iowa or Kansas before he came to Fort Wayne. But he kept going on. He kept singing the songs. He had help from the fans. He had help from his bandmates. He was on stage trying to make the show work and to me i mean he's candlebox is kind of an old school band mm-hmm. but, they, but you know he wants he wants to get paid mm-hmm. and it's a very rock and roll thing to see something like that i don't know how a band like falling in reverse unless there's a very serious lack of talent doesn't just go okay we'll use electric guitars we'll just do a kind of a garage set or maybe we do an acoustic set we do something something on stage instead of this oh we lost our freaking laptops Better call it a night. Yeah, I mean, and uh, if you remember with that, uh, the lead singer of Falling in Reverse, whoever that is, got into a spat with Sebastian Bach on Twitter. About, <laughs> oh, and, boy. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's an argument I want to be a part of. Yeah. Now, I, I, I have to take Sebastian's side on this, obviously, on this one, because Sebastian was criticizing yeah. him, and so was uh, Eddie Trunk uh, yeah. about – how th- these aren't even real musicians. That's not what real musicians do. Now, That's Sebastian said, 
Yeah, Sebastian yeah. said some crazy things over the years, but I have to take his side on this. When he was ripping into him, saying real musicians, you know, do their own thing. They don't have a, they don't rely on a machine right. to do their concert for them. And he's a hundred percent right. But again, with Kevin Martin from uh, Candlebox, as you were saying, or what about Dick when Dave Grohl broke his leg and had to sit on the floor? God yes, yeah. What about that? Or I saw. Uh, Years ago, I saw Blink-182. I got free tickets to see Blink-182 before Tom DeLonge left the band. Right. Tom DeLonge had like a sore throat. He couldn't really belt out the tunes and all that. But guess what? He mustered through it somehow. Yeah. And there's The difference right there, rock stars then are real rock stars, true musicians that write their own tunes. Yeah. People like Falling in Reverse, who pretty much should be over on Top 40, should not even be anywhere near a rock and roll station. Are people that rely on machines, people writing their songs, not no talent whatsoever. Oh, I forgot the lyrics because I didn't write the lyrics to this. Yeah. I need to talk to my. Per- I mean, so it's it's now. There's a, there's two ways to look at this. Of course, I have sympathy for some like say Steven Tyler. I'm not Aerosmith doesn't do this, but say someone Steven Tyler's age. He's 74 years old. I want to be able to see some shows if I'm if I able to before some of these people pass on. Yeah. And now Steven Tyler is one of the few that still sounds amazing at his age, but not everybody sounds like that. Robert Plant to not get his voice high enough like he could in the 70s was that. And he'll admit that too. He'll be like, yeah. "Hey, look, I'm not going to do the Led Zeppelin stuff. I'd rather do my own thing." Exactly. But if I can see, say, an artist get together one more time, if they have to have like a computer help them because they can't get the voice up, that's one thing. I'm okay with that, actually. Right. I'm totally cool with that. But if it's, right. but if it's like falling in reverse, where they got to have their laptops to, you know, uh, do that to make their music for them, if they're not there, I have no sympathy for them. I'm sorry, right. I have zero amounts of sympathy. I mean, it's one thing, okay, you lose your backing tracks. Okay, yeah. that's maybe maybe another layer to a song, but that shouldn't be the reason you cancel a show. Exactly. And, and I can tell you this, like, uh, uh, just a year or two before, you know, I, I was no longer with the Bear. I remember sitting in the, and this was after Gasoline left, I remember sitting in the programmer's office hearing uh, some kind of monster for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, like, that whole rap rock thing, it was very cringy, but the part of the song where he goes, where is your god now like he drops the f-bomb like it's cut mm-hmm. out and everything but like like that false metal like that, <laughs> to me that just signifies the stereotype a lot of people have the format it's like oh rock and roll singers they all sound like that right it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. it just like i i heard that and like i was like i would never play this before seven o'clock in the evening i know this would always be a night track just because of that you know and like, yeah, like the monster rock. Yeah, you don't have to sound like a freaking garbage disposal to be a rock star for crying out loud. <laughs> now, a band that I'm kind of on the fence with, I can't like, I don't know if I really like everything they do. Sometimes it's a little too theatrical, but uh, Tobias Forge and Ghost, uh, they seem to make some headway with fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember him earlier this year, you know, he was throwing an opening pitch out for a uh, 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 for the Chicago White Sox, and he had the White Sox garb on and his black and white face makeup, and actually looked kind of cool. Um, but it was like, I was like, is anybody going to go see a ghost show because he's doing this? But I guess the band has a pretty good following. 
and uh, with a new album, Impera, I think it is. Uh, they set a new record on. Um, I, I can't remember if they broke the record or they tied the record with vinyl sales in terms of a rock band. But uh, they they haven't seen numbers like this on vinyl since Vitology from Pearl Jam back in 94. Now, keep in mind, wow. vinyl is not the go-to format anymore. It's right. more of an underground format. And right. In the early 90s, vinyl was on its way down because of the CD. Yeah. But uh, it's safe to say that vinyl has a healthier life right now than CD. Yes. How does that sounds? But vinyl is kind of an underground thing. And... It, it, I don't know. I, I kind of like that in a way. I know that um, Ghost, um, they have some of their detractors and some of their fans. I know uh, uh, was it Kerry King of Slayer says he cannot stand mm-hmm. that band. On the flip side, Rob uh, Rob Hetfield says I dig what they do and a lot of rock bands should do what they do. And I'm like, well, don't do exactly what Ghost is doing, but you know, mm-hmm. try try to do your own thing. Uh, and again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with the the Nirvana knockoffs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. When you have bands that um, are copying exactly what everybody else is doing, nothing original happens. And I, I would like to think that now that radio is kind of on its descent, descent and we are doing more things on the Internet, uh-huh. you can take more chances and do more creative things with rock. And I just I don't know why we're not seeing more of that. And, and I don't know if it's just because of that old school mentality with record labels or what. So I'll say this about Ghost. Um, I'm like you. I have a mixed reaction to them. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of fall in line with the Carrie King from Slayer statement. I like their, you know, their dress up and all that. That's kind of pretty interesting. I mean, whatever can keep the rock format alive. So that actually that helps somewhat. Mm-hmm. Now their music, uh, I can't really say I'm down with it. But if with the vinyl thing, if they're if they're doing something to keep the format alive, mm-hmm. and they're not entirely stealing songs, uh, <laughs> copying something, not stealing songs and copying things like, I mean, there's this one band I won't mention the name, but it like the lat and like uh, the late 2010s, they like just everything they did was a cover song for for songs of the last 20 years, and that just doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um. The band ends with the name Punch, let's just say. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like Ivan. Don't get me wrong. But the last five years or so, they just did a bunch of cover songs like Gone Away, Blue on Black from Kenny Wayne Shepard. And I'm just, just, it got old. Why are everything I'm hearing on the radio right now a cover song? I don't, I want you to put something original. So to ghost his credit, they're doing something that's, I mean, kind of, it's, you can argue, well, it's like Kiss, but what, is Kiss like Kiss right now, though? They're no. always, on, they're always on their reunion tour, always doing this, they're not retiring my ass. They're not going to retire. <laughs> Kiss will never, even when uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons is gone, uh, there'll always be Kiss. There'll be, it'll yeah. just become a cover of a cover of a cover. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, you know, kind of kind of wrapping things up here. Um, unfortunately, with this past year, uh, we lost some pretty big names in rock music. Uh, uh, more recent one would be Christy McVie of uh, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I, I, now I would, uh, she, you know, a lot of people kind of underrate her, I think, because Lindsey Buckingham and obviously Stevie Nicks. But she was a songwriter, 
Uh, I would say Fleetwood Mac is the Led Zeppelin of soft rock, of yacht rock. I mean, I, it's, oh yeah, they were a huge band and they were into cocaine. I mean, they were they were they were big in the seventies, and uh, you know, she she was a, a big engine behind that. Uh, Meatloaf unfortunately passed away. Yeah, earlier this year. Great. I mean, some of the stuff he did was cheesy, but like one of the greatest rock voices ever. Um. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I mean, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark uh, Langan of yes, uh, Queen Trees. Trees. Uh, he did some stuff with Queens of the Stone Age, um, and he was mentioned during that uh, the, the show my wife and I were watching last night about uh, Sub Pop on uh, oh, Netflix. Nice. Uh, he's gone. Um, let's see. Uh, Alec John Such, Manny Charlton of Nazareth, both gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan McCafferty. Dan McCafferty's gone. Uh, let's see what else. Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, you know, kind of a controversial figure, uh, Great Balls of Fire. I think, though, like the big one for me on this list that hits is, as we mentioned, Taylor Hawkins, because it, mm-hmm. it was it was kind of like a combination to me of David Bowie's death and, Steve, and Scott Weiland's death. Oh, yeah. Uh, because... David Bowie, when I found out that dude died, it was a shocker because he was still doing stuff. He just put out an album weeks before he was doing all this other stuff, but then he passed. He had he was battling cancer. It was a shocker. I mean, I knew he was up in years. He was about I think he was seventy. That it was shocking because Taylor Hawkins seemed like he was in the prime of his life. He was just loving the show, loving doing everything and all that stuff. But it was like Scott when Scott Weiland died, when he stopped and thought about it, because Scott Weiland. Uh, just seemed like he was always in the throes of addiction. And I think a lot of people yeah. forget that back in the 2000s, there was about a week where Taylor Hawkins was laid up in the hospital near death because he had an overdose. Uh-huh. And when he was down in South America, when he was down in South America, uh, you know, there's a lot of temptation. And I guess that just the rigors of the road and whatever, he fell off the wagon and we lost a great drummer. Well, and that, and that was very shocking because nobody knew that he had relapsed or anything. There would have been no reports even of it. I mean, obviously, right. there's not going to be a report. Oh, he's relapsed. But, right. you know, just like a couple of weeks ago prior or so, they were on the Howard Stern show. I was listening to their – Howard was doing an interview with them, and they sounded like they were on top of their game. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. wake up before you go to bed, get home from work. Taylor Hawkins dead at 50. I mean, yeah. I couldn't believe it because the last he, when he had that overdose, that was like, what, 2001, 2002, I think. It was a long, it was a long, yeah, it was time. A long it was time ago. ago. Yeah. He's got a family and you're thinking, I mean, you know, you're in one, in one of the world's biggest rock bands. Uh, yeah. Uh, all these shows, they can do blistering two and a half, three hour sets. Um, and one of the most energy. positive people you can think of with a positive personality, not a negative thing to him. I don't think anybody, I, I can't think of anybody who said anything negative about him. I mean, he's just like, uh, he was yeah. just an affable, likable guy, full of energy. And, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, this sucks because I just got done reading Dave Grohl's uh, storyteller's book. Uh, it's a good book, by the way. Yeah. And he's talking about some of the stuff that he would do with Taylor Hawkins. They were all, they, they just hit it off from the start. Even before they joined the band, they were like on one of these awful loser things. And at the time, Taylor Hawkins was the drummer for Alanis Morissette. It mm-hmm. just goes to show you, you don't know who the next big musician is going to be. And, you know, here he is touring with Alanis Morissette, but it was to the point they were hanging out so much. Uh, Alanis just looked at Taylor and goes, what are you going to do when you join that band? 
And like he hadn't been offered the, like, she just noticed <laughs> that they were hanging out a lot. She's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> but yep. like, but, uh, you know, in the book, there's a story about how like, uh, Taylor and Dave were driving from California to Virginia on the way. They're going to hit Pantera's strip bar in mm-hmm. Dallas. And Dave lost, Dave Grohl lost his driver's license in Arizona. And it was just like, well, it won't be a big deal. People know who I am, right? And they get to the, the strip club and they go, need to see some ID. Dave Grohl, the front man of the Fleet Fighters, <laughs> along with Taylor, uh, Taylor uh, Hawkins, could not, did not get in to Pantera's strip bar. And it was the saddest day of David Grohl's life, apparently. Or, well, I wouldn't say that. Um, there's some stuff that happened. A very uh, sad day for rock and roll history. Oh, it was, he was, he was looking forward to it. It was just like, he, you know, when you hear about Taylor passing, it's just like, you know, that these dudes were bros. And it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking, really. And you could even argue that. They were more close than Dave was with Kurt Cobain when Nirvana oh. was still going on. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think he, he and Kurt had a mutual uh, respect for each other. Absolutely, Kurt was kind of, but Kurt was kind of kind of a standoffish cat to begin with. Yeah, but yeah, Taylor, Taylor, and um, and uh, Dave were just besties, and it just sucks. Was, was there anybody else we left off the list here? You think? Uh, D.H. Peligro from uh, the drummer for the Dead Kennedys. He oh, also had crap. a brief yeah. stint with the chili peppers in the late eighties when, uh, uh, during the death of Hillel Slovak and, uh, when Jack Irons left. Oh man. Yeah. It's it's a pretty heavy year in terms of death for, uh, for rock stars, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, kind of eases. I, I, and I had this thought too, uh, as we wrap up here, like last year, uh, like within a week, each other, Dusty Hill from ZZ top, Charlie Watt, uh, respect yeah. guys from the stones, uh, they both passed, and it's just like uh, you know the big, the, you know in their own way they had big cultural impact. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, 60, 70 years from now when we, you know, when I'm 102, uh, and I'm re- reading about you know a, a, rock, a big rock star passing, would they be as big as any of those names I just mentioned? Well, that's uh, that's a good question. I mean, th- these rock stars are people that have had an impact on the rock and roll community. Uh, I don't think we sh- not that I'm wanting I don't want anybody to pass, but I think when Machine Gun Kelly or um, Post Malone, I don't think they're going to have that big of an impact. I could be wrong, no. but what if no. they put that? I mean, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not hoping for anybody to die, but I I just don't see that. And, and when Ma- Madonna finally passes on from this earth, nobody's going to miss her for her guitar playing ability. So. No. It might be um, for borderline, but not to the guitar playing. No, no. Her impact is different from, yeah. you know, your, your Jimi Hendrix's and your uh, Eddie Van Halen's. Exactly. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, just to wrap up stuff, Steve, because I know you're a big fan. Is there anything that you see as a positive in rock music? You know, I don't. Uh, I'm always I always try. The phrase I always go by is carpe diem, seize the day. I I feel that rock can stay alive. We need, but we need to quit putting down people like Nickelback. No, I don't like Nickelback, but I, I don't like them or hate them. But we need to support the people that are keeping it alive somewhat. And mm-hmm. as long as they're not like falling in reverse, not using laptops to make their <laughs> music, 
like him or hate him, you know, I feel rock and roll can make a big comeback. However, it's going to be different now that radio stations are dying. Radio is pretty much dead. But it, we need we as fans, we need to at least give it a chance. And now I'm not talking up, you know, Greta Van Fleet. I love, you know, I like them, but they obviously sound like Zeppelin. However, even though they sound just like Zeppelin, if they're doing, yeah. if they're around, if they're keeping the format alive. It's better than not having a format. So my thought is, you know, support every artist that is trying to keep the format alive. And because if we don't, well, the format will die. Then. That's the yeah. issue. It will be gone. I, I uh, think I think if musicians follow their gut instinct and are as honest as they can be with the audience mm-hmm. and they have producers that do give a damn and like, you know, you know just let them do what they need to do in studio. Make them sound better, but don't try to make them sound like X. Exactly. Because I know Nirvana is a product, but I don't think a lot of fans thought of Nirvana or Pearl Jam as a product. They just saw them as bands, and they got they dug the the lyrics. They dug what the, the message was. And I think when you start thinking, well, okay, we got to make them just like this, 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 you know, it's it's very reactionary, and it just seems like there's more. There isn't a proactive approach in terms of trying to let their artists and the bands tell their own story. I agree 100 percent. The artists, artists pretty much need to have their own autonomy and they need producers like Rick Rubin or uh, Butch Vig that let them do their thing, but coach them when they need it. But don't not sound making them sound like the you got to sound like this you got to sound like that you got to sound like Chris Cornell you got to sound like oh, Eddie Vedder or whatever I mean do your own thing I'm looking for the next Nevermind not the actual Nevermind but somebody no. to kick in a genre that will make wow this is why I love rock music this mm-hmm. is new this isn't the same thing we've been hearing the last 30 years or so. And it's rock. It's original. It's creative. That's what I'm looking for. And I, I still believe it can come about, but we have to let it, though. And they have to. And musicians have to be creative. And stop yeah. taking cover songs and making it your own. Like Blue Ivan Black. Moody. Yeah, Ivan Moody. Quit that, for Christ's sake. <laughs> You've got a record deal. You're known. Make your own music. I don't care if it sucks. Make it. <laughs> well, maybe not suck too much, but uh, Steve Rasnazzi very passionate about rock, as am I. And uh, maybe, just maybe, it's not a dying genre yet. Maybe we can prove Gene Simmons wrong. Wouldn't that be nice? All right, uh, that wraps it up this go-around. Again, I hope you and yours enjoyed the holidays. Happy New Year once again. New episode drops uh, later on this week. Until then... Stay fresh and sober up, Tuesdays. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash MDavidsonLives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Lives.